Welcome to Comedia del Cinema, the comedy movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Wolk. And I am your other host, Emily Walborn. And this is the show where we talk about some of comedy's most influential, important, or otherwise noteworthy comedies. Talk about how they were made, the influence they had, what the heck makes them so funny. And we have a good one today. We have Modern Romance. We're continuing our dark, twisted rom-com run Mm -hmm. this February with uh, an Albert Brooks movie that is quite i messed up i watched it last night i have Mm -hmm. i didn't log it on letterboxd until to this afternoon because i really Uh needed time to digest and figure out what (laughs) i thought about it (laughs) yeah it's it's a pretty weird one he's a my word (laughs) the man's a freak and I we'll get into it. it. Yeah. But um, 1981, this movie comes out. So mm-hmm. what's going on in comedy around this time? In comedy, it's kind of the start of the um, the Harold Ramis, Bill Murray sort of era, the National Lampoon Fest. Mm-hmm. So like um, comedy start hard, hard R comedy is starting to be kind of a big thing. Um, we're just about a year after uh, National Lampoon's vacation. We're already kind of seeing uh, Chevy Chase reach his peak. So it's sort of the um, the apex of like smarmy asshole mm-hmm. comedy. Yeah, we have Stripes with Harold mm-hmm. Ramis and Bill Murray. We've got Porky's, which I've never mm-hmm. seen and I will probably never see unless mm-hmm. we do it on this show, which I mm-hmm. hope we never do. Um, let's see. We have Under the Rainbow. With Chevy Chase and Carrie Fisher, mm. uh, seemed to be some kind of odd comedy about uh, government taking over Wizard of Oz or something like that. I'm not sure. Cool. Uh, but yeah, we have uh, History of the World Part One, Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. We we are getting some harder uh, comedies with mm-hmm. some big old asshole stars. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're a little bit prior to like um, Eddie Murphy coming into mm-hmm. the scene, but it's like the path is paved for um, a co- a comedian with a specific I- comic style to get sort of plugged into a movie and have an outlet for specifically their style of comedy. Right, and well, we're also we're also writing right off of the first five years of SNL, which were mm-hmm. groundbreaking and influential in comedy. Um, for a lot of these stars, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, and then mm-hmm. and uh, Albert Brooks, and Albert Brooks, which we'll talk yeah. about today, and then of course Eddie Murphy is just getting started on SNL around this time, mm-hmm. and then his movie career will take off after that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Modern Romance didn't even make it on the Google list of 1981 comedies. Yeah, I mean Albert Brooks has um, he's quite. Well-respected, well-regarded, influential, but I don't know that any of his movies have ever been necessarily the most successful. Maybe Probably Defending Your Life. Defending Your Life, yeah. yeah. And Lost maybe Lost in America, but more so, obviously, Marlon, the voice of yeah. Marlon in Finding mm-hmm. Nemo. And That's then, of true. course, in Broadcast News. 
his yeah. Oscar nominated yeah, I mean, role as an actor. Yeah, he's he's much more well well known than as a creator. Well, and this is so Modern Romance is only his second movie, mm-hmm. and before this, he's he's uh, stand up. Lauren Michaels wanted him to be the permanent host on SNL. Yeah. And he said he declined, but they came to a compromise where he would make some short films for them. And so that's kind of where he got his start Mm -hmm. um, in kind of filmmaking. And then in the 70s, mid to late 70s, he starts kind of making his own movies. Yep. Real Life is his first one. Um, Also not a huge hit, but but did a good job of sort of establishing him as a comedy director and someone who stars in his own movies. He was kind of at the time referred to as West Coast Woody Allen um, mm-hmm. in terms of like being Jewish comedian with a very specific identity and someone who often puts himself in his own work. Um, and yes. even though his movies never took off the same way. I wish it had been the other way around. Well, that would have been great if we would have gotten <laughs> an Albert Brooks movie every year for like 40 years instead. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be quite nice. He's, uh, um, his real name, Albert Einstein. He's the <laughs> child of um, a comedian and an actor. So hate to say it, but hashtag Nepo baby. Nepo um, baby, indeed. Went to Beverly Hills High School, so yeah, <laughs> with Richard Dreyfus like yep. and Rob Reiner, and so yeah. Well, yeah, he and Rob Reiner were like childhood friends, and there's a quote from Carl Reiner, and I think the um, uh, must have been the fifties. Um, he was asked like, "Who's who do you think is the funniest person uh, out mm-hmm. there?" And he was like, "Honestly, no joking, my son Rob's nine year old best friend." Albert. <laughs> is genuinely the funniest person i know (laughs) that's awesome yeah he was he was right to say it he was right to say it because albert brooks's style of comedy is uh pretty damn funny i mean he was uh pretty big on the like tonight show circuit Mm -hmm. um people saying that he uh kind of led in a new generation of self-reflective comedians Mm -hmm. um kind of along the same uh, era as like Steve Martin and Andy Kaufman kind mm. of around that time and those are definitely you can kind of see some of the influences of them in his work mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah so he makes um he writes modern romance with with uh, the woman who would become his frequent co-writer for the rest of his career Monica Johnson she um she was a Mary Tyler Moore, a Laverne and Shirley writer. Um, mm-hmm. her, and Gary her, Shandling. Yep. Her career, unfortunately, um, uh, you know, was cut short. She died at 64 in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot said about their writing style was often like they would drive around and Albert Brooks would kind of yell um, mm-hmm. ideas and she would write it down and then they would edit <laughs> together. Um but I have to assume with this movie in particular, she had a lot of um, influence on the romance angle because she was married seven times in her 64 yes. years. <laughs> yes, right, seven times. Uh, they wrote five movies together. So five of his movies mm-hmm. um, she co-wrote with him. Yeah, pretty impressive. Both TV writer and then movie writer as well. 
Um, so what's what is what is modern romance about? I don't think we need to give a full plot summary because <laughs> it's kind of by nature repetitive. Yeah. So um what's his name even? It's uh, uh is it Rob? No, I think Bob. I think it's Robert. No. It's Robert. Yes. It's Robert. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. So uh, we start out strong with Robert inviting his girlfriend Mary to a diner to talk, and he says that it's just not working and they need to break up. And she says, oh, "Okay, we're breaking up again," um, indicating that they do this pretty much all the time. He says it's for real this time, so she says, "Please don't contact me." And so he uh. He goes, he's a film editor and he's working on a, a big motion picture at the moment. Mm-hmm. And he goes and talks to his coworker about his recent breakup. And he's just on the fence of if he, if he should stay that night and work or if he needs to just go home and <laughs> get his life together. And then I think his coworker is kind of like, you're really annoying. So you should probably go right. home. <laughs> um, so then he goes home. He's. He's on Quaaludes, so he's kind of out of it, uh, calling a lot of different people, making a date with uh, another woman. And then the next day, he's just kind of, he's pretty much just back and forth between wanting to get back together with Mary and wanting it to be truly over. He can't really stand the idea of not being with her but when he's with her he can't really stand the idea of being together um and so he you know he does a few things takes someone on a date tries to uh well he almost takes her on a date but he drives about half a block and then that's a really funny (laughs) yeah that's really funny part his brother bob einstein makes a fun uh cameo as a running store shoe salesman who just upcharges him on a lot of running gear he doesn't need because he wants Mm. to become healthier and restart his life without mary um in the end though he wins her back and they decide to go out of town together where um he has become paranoid about this phone bill he saw at her house with the long distance call and she uh tries to defend herself um, and he's just, it, it's just quite a, a repetitive, uh, circular conversation that they have in a, in, you know, obviously in the, in the best way. Um, and she wants to break up. He then asks her to marry him, which she <laughs> agrees to. And then the end credit, uh, scroll that we see at the end is that they got married three months later in Vegas and then the next text comes and they got divorced a month later. Then the next text text comes and they're back together with plans to remarry. Right. So, so it's going to be a constant cycle of getting back together um, yeah. and splitting up because both of them, but especially Albert Brooks, um, don't really know what they want and are more than anything driven by jealousy and not wanting to be alone. Than, right. than any sort of true love for the other. Yeah, it's a movie of definitely about jealousy. Stanley Kubrick uh, called Albert Brooks after seeing a screening of the movie and wanted to know how he made a movie like that because he's always been interested in making a movie about jealousy, mm-hmm. which uh, it's kind of cool. You hear a lot of stories about Stanley Kubrick calling other filmmakers, especially comedic filmmakers, and asking yeah. them how they made their movie. 
Yeah, and then I mean it's it's interesting that Albert or uh, Stanley Kubrick did eventually make his movie about jealousy, and it's eyes mm -hmm. wide shut, which really couldn't be more different than than this mm -hmm. movie. But you can see what was appealing about him about this movie and why how he would spin off and make his own much weirder version. Yes. Um, okay, there's a lot I want to dig into about the comedy of this movie. Yeah, of course. Uh, is there anything you want to start with? Well, okay, there's an Albert Brooks quote that I think um, is important. Well, first, there's a quote where he talks about the genesis of it and how he basically was doing something like this, but in a much less extreme way. And he just found himself constantly driving around the house of the woman he broke it up with <laughs> trying to decide if he wanted to go in mm -hmm. um, and get back together with her or not um, but the actual quote I want to read is um, he says there are no gags in the picture no zany comics there are real people in real situations carried to a logical or illogical extreme if the outcome is funny it's because life itself is funny mm -hmm. and then in an AV club review um from about 10 years ago, Scott Tobias and Nathan Rabin um, say that the comedy comes from the duality between scathing satire and celebratory narcissism. <laughs> I watched the um, Siskel and Ebert review mm -hmm. of this movie, and they also found the um, satire in the best part of it, saying that he really does a good job in skewering the... I guess what would be at the time kind of a turn towards a more sensitive generation. Ebert's <laughs> saying that like now it's now is a time when it's okay for men to cry. So I think that <laughs> Albert Brooks is definitely satirizing that kind of mentality, mm -hmm. um, but definitely pushing it to the extreme. Right. He's so um, sensitive. He can't decide what's best for himself or their relationship. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of, um, in a weird way, like, an incredibly emotionally open person mm -hmm. um, in ways that are incredibly uncomfortable. And you almost wish he would hide um, his feelings inside of himself because it's, like, almost like, you know, Larry David <laughs> on curve. Like, there's no, nothing is hidden inside of this character. It's yeah. all on the surface. He's spilling out each and every contradictory feeling at any given moment. Yeah. It's it's incredible how how deeply he feels for this person mm -hmm. and yet they don't communicate in any way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Barely know anything about each other's lives. Right. He will boldface lie to her face. Yeah. And she will say you're lying and then he'll say no I'm not I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Right. He has no respect for what she does, nor does she really for, for what he does. He doesn't respect the fact that she has to have meetings with with mostly men, um, uh -huh. just by nature of the negotiation she has to pull off. Um, very funny scene when they're um, driving to the cabin together. He asks her what she's thinking about, and she just says, yeah, I'm thinking about, thinking about that deal that went through. Um, and he's also just thinking about his work in what would often be like a romantic reconciliation they're both just thinking about other their own, things yeah 
Well, he says he starts off by saying, "Wouldn't it be funny if I said I was thinking about that deal that went through too?" <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny. Um, lots of good jokes. Uh, it's definitely a theme in Albert Brooks's movies. This kind of very self-centered, um, anxiety-driven, indecisive character that is so mm-hmm. focused on themselves and their situation that they can't really ever see past what is going on with other people and they can't ever really connect with the other people around them. But what I think really resonates in those themes for audiences is how human that is too. I mean, the, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's definitely heightened and to an extreme level that he's Mm -hmm. pushing all of these characters that he plays, but it is so human and, being indecisive, being worried about the consequences of your choices, being Mm -hmm. just worried what other people are going to think of you, being worried about if I end this relationship, somebody else will start to date her. And I don't know if that, that I would want that. And, but thinking about what's best for him, I just need a day to get my life together. (laughs) I can't come into work, but I'll call you later. You know, it's all very, it is like he's saying, it's just the funny parts of and the funny and true parts of life. Right. And this guy, he, he is so much of a, so much unlike most romantic comedy protagonists, because there's very little noble about him. Like he, (laughs) he, at no point does he sacrifice anything for her, nor does Mm -hmm. she for him. Um, But there's still clearly like, he's a deranged psycho, but he's not really, (laughs) his motivations don't really make him necessarily a bad person in the grand scheme of things. He's just a total mess, but his basic motivations are often reflected by other characters too. Like everyone in this movie is just like, Hey, look, I just want to meet someone (laughs) and have a nice time. He, he's very, a very impulsive character. I I mean, she is so patient (laughs) to an extreme where you're kind of like, my God, woman. But it's just like she is also very true to life in that she definitely has her life, her work life more together, as does mm-hmm. he. But mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it, you know, quote, modern romance is that your work life's together, but your personal life so much more of a mess. Whereas I think in more traditional, cheesier rom coms, it's kind of both. Yeah. Yeah. They would be more directly tied together. Right. Um, here, yeah, they're kind of both on top of it. Like Albert Brooks mm-hmm. doesn't really do his job as an editor very often because he's sort of pawning it off onto his assistant editor, played by Bruno Kirby. But you mm-hmm. also get the sense that he knows what he's doing. He's just Kinda being selfish lazy. these few days. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about his work because there mm-hmm. are maybe two. Two sequences that are quite long, just about him editing this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way that is, it's so interesting because it's a 90 minute movie mm-hmm. and it does provide a nice break from him obsessing about his relationship, but it's also so, <laughs> they're like minutes long seeing of uh, scenes of him looking at the footage for this guy running down a hallway and then Mm -hmm. deciding whether or not to put in 
footsteps and then he's going to record the footsteps and he has his friend chase him around the room so that he can get ready to record the footsteps or you know earlier in the movie he has an idea for how to cut the scene different and so they're just kind of doing some different (laughs) some different options for the scene yeah well and i think those scenes serve as such a contrast to the rest of the movie in a way Mm -hmm. that that shows in the areas in some areas of his life he can make these choices that would be maybe impossible for someone else to make but he makes them pretty professionally and they're good cuts um Mm -hmm. like they make the scene better and then of course the director played by james l brooks Mm -hmm. and that scene sort of takes the part that albert brooks takes in his own relationship of being so unsure and so focused on the wrong little thing thinking the director thinking oh you know this whole movie will be saved if we add footsteps Right into, into the or, scene. Uh, aliens uses the term bowels of a ship, so we should probably redub it to basement. Right. Because <laughs> everybody will think we stole it from Alien. Right. So at any given point, someone is incredibly anxious and someone is a bit more confident mm-hmm. um, in the decision. But those scenes also just, I'm even though thematically they're relevant, they're not super plot related, <laughs> but I do like that they're just kind of they sort of just show you how how film editing worked at the time. I got I got sucked into those scenes. I mm-hmm. and then you know they do they do obviously connect to the plot. He's making phone calls to her and things like that throughout those mm-hmm. scenes. But there are <laughs> there's just still like minutes where he's just editing, and mm-hmm. I just kind of get you just still get sucked into it because it's he's so good at pacing the movie mm-hmm. where you do feel claustrophobic in these spaces with robert and how Mm -hmm. indecisive and anxious he is kind of also makes you want to not be in a relationship with him but then Mm -hmm. when you do see him in the editing room you kind of get sucked in and you say oh he is he's good at his job he's charming Mm -hmm. he's funny Mm -hmm. you know he's he's weird but he's fun Mm -hmm. um kind of shows you a different side of him too that would make you think okay i do i could understand why mary would want to date him yeah, and like he's he's nice in other moments of like trying to be a, a good reference for for the Bruno Kirby character. Of course, that instantly shifts the moment mm-hmm. the guy asking for the reference asks if he can ask out Mary, and okay. Albert Brooks instantly calls him a scumbag. But he's kind of got every basic emotion ready to boil out at any given time. Um, anything else you want to say about the comedy of modern romance? Um, well, it's just interesting to me that Albert Brooks plays the same, you know, like in not a bad way. He was basically the same character in every in every movie that he directs and stars in. But in each one, it reveals such a different. Uh, the character is used to reveal different things about just the contemporary society at the time. Like mm-hmm. Lost in America could easily be the exact same character from this movie. Mm-hmm. But it's it's used to such a different end to satirize the way, um, you know, baby boomers kind of had everything laid out for them mm-hmm. um, and yet still felt unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, his his very specific sensibility, like it could be so samey in a boring way, but it's mm-hmm. just always used to such different ends. Well, I think you. I, so I've seen three of his movies. So I've seen now this one, 
lost in America and defending your life. And you've mm-hmm. seen real life, right? Yep. And um, The Muse and Mother, but I haven't okay. seen Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World. I imagine that one's kind of hard to track down. It's available. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's good. But I was reading that there is a progression of his comedic style throughout his mm. movies as well, where real life is closer to his um, stand-up persona of mm-hmm. kind of Hollywood scumbag really playing into that. Whereas then this mm-hmm. is, is leaning a bit further away into this and coming um, in lost in America where it's more character driven of his own personality, mm-hmm. anxieties, etc., cetera. Um, and then defending your life, kind of the next stage of more, a little bit softer side. Yeah. It's a bit sweeter. What are some of your favorite uh, performances? Um, I mean, obviously, Albert Brooks is, is great, but uh, Catherine Harold as Mary is a, a really great straight man. She gets mm-hmm. such a, a big laugh when when she admits she's just thinking about the deal, <laughs> um, I think is great. But then you've got great smaller parts, uh, James L. Brooks, um, and I think I think his first acting role. Yeah, um, and then he cast Albert Brooks in um, Broadcast yeah. News. Which yeah, which got gets him, him that Oscar now. Yeah. One of what was going to be two, but then he was on the borderline for drive. And mm. supposedly he kept wanting to campaign and then deciding, no, I don't huh. want to campaign at all for an Oscar. Very Upper Brooks like. Very, yeah. Um, yeah. What about you? Uh, I loved the whole Bob Einstein yeah. section, was <laughs> hilarious. Uh, I yeah. love him and Curb. And that was a great part. That was a great part. Really trying not to get Albert Brooks to not buy the like pack that he wants to buy. (laughs) Like, no, that's bad. You don't want that. And then, wait, I don't need two tracksuits. Oh, I guess I was wrong about you. I'm human. I make mistakes. Have fun with your box. (laughs) (laughs) A very, uh, you can tell those two. Must yeah. have been a laugh riot at home. Honestly. Um, apparently, um, their half-brother, who's much older, is also in the movie. He's um, the uh, sound mixer that gets up to go to his car. Oh, I see. So not the main sound mixer, but the no, guy sitting next yeah. to him. I see. Bruno Kirby, great, as always. He's also the best friend in When Harry Met Sally. Yes. Yeah, he was good. Um, how did this movie do in the box office? It not did not so well. Bafo Bo, not Bafo Bo. Um, test screenings were um alternated between general public really didn't like it. Um, I think they had one college screening that went really well. <laughs> um, but after a general screening, studio executives really wanted them to add a scene where Albert Brooks's character speaks to a psychologist, yeah. where they would explain what his deal is because studio executives were just baffled never Brooks is like well no I, I don't know what's wrong with him <laughs> so I'm not gonna add that um, I feel like that's such an exact well. note of like mm, can you just have him outright say what his deal is <laughs> no yeah ridiculous <laughs> um but it makes 2.6 million which mm-hmm. today would be probably like 15 but not great for do you know what the budget was? I couldn't find the budget anywhere. Uh, I think it was either five or ten. So not oh, huge, but 
a but, loss still. Yeah. 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 Um, good critically, legacy. yeah, critically received well. Siskel mm-hmm. and Ebert loved it, so that's good. And Ebert did not like real life, so. Interesting. Yeah, it kind of, this movie, I think, kind of gets lost in, it's probably his third most well-known. Mm-hmm. First is probably Defending Your Life and then Lost mm-hmm. in America. Um, and then this one. I hope that will I I hope and I I'm sure we will do his other movies because uh Lost in America is an amazing movie, as is Defending yeah. Your Life. So Yeah, um, both very good. Wanna revisit uh, those soon. Yeah. And well and it's it's very clear that um that this movie had a huge influence on like everyone apatow adjacent mm-hmm. like in really big ways um mm-hmm. like forgetting sarah marshall feels yeah pretty directly indebted to this well this movie. is a breakup movie i yeah. mean it kind of influences all rom-coms that are actually about breakups right that's true um and then eventually albert brooks joins the apatow verse in um when he plays paul Rudd's dad in this is 40 oh yeah Wow, Albert Brooks, you're, you're a funny man. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it it definitely plays with the rom com structure, but in a way that definitely feels more Judd Apatow adjacent than say like a big studio rom com adjacent. Right, because in those movies you wouldn't have the character like self destructively take quaaludes in the first ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> Right, or pick somebody up, drive her around the block, and then drop her back (laughs) off. Uh, yeah, I think I need to be alone tonight. (laughs) Of course, uh, like in a big in a in a studio rom com, she because it would be a female protagonist would go on mm -hmm. the date, and it would be disastrous, and he would be an asshole, and she would realize Mm -hmm. the guy she was with was actually so sweet. Right here, he's still promising. Like, we don't get any follow-up. Like, he promises this girl he's going to call her again and take her out. And take her for a full weekend date. They had met once at a party. He calls her up after not knowing. I have deep feelings for you. I have deep feelings. Oh, man. He is a wild character. Truly. Not so. Well, what are we doing next week? Next week, I believe we are covering Heather's. There's not the musical, the movie. Not Even though the I will Paramount talk about Network the show. musical. Yeah. yeah. I will probably not talk about the Paramount show, but I will talk about the musical. That's fair. So Heather's from the from the writer of uh Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From the the director of of the brother of the director of Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of me, well, you know, the Mean Girls musical movie is finally happening. That's mm-hmm. going straight to Paramount Plus, which is probably a good call. We're going to talk about all that next, next week. Because <laughs> Heather's has a similar thing. So we'll talk about yeah. that next week. Great. Well, we'll see you guys next time. And if you want to know where Albert Brooks's movies are streaming, just check out his episode <laughs> of Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 12. Um, in which I believe he states where every movie of his is streaming. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at Comedia Del Cinema and on Twitter at at uh, Comedia Comedy. 
<laughs> I gotta change that, but or was... should I change the Instagram to Comedia Comedy so we'll be consistent? Well, when this episode comes out, it'll be clear in the um uh, episode description. We'll, we'll you... write what they actually are. Can you change the Twitter to CDC Podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think you should cool. try. Okay. Because if you can I'll do it, then I'll try it, it on CDC. <laughs> yeah, just do it to CDC. And then fight Twitter about it. Say, uh, we probably wouldn't first... need to fight the modern Twitter. Elon no. would probably welcome it with open arms. And then he'd promote us. We get all Elon, kinds of fans. I don't know if you know this. Elon Musk is kind of an epic meme lord. <laughs> He's the best. Oh, I love him. <laughs> Elon, come on the pod. Uh, JK. Don't. JK would never. What would he even have to say? Remember his ideas for skits for SNL's tweet? Yeah, what woke James Bond. God. Horrible man. And it's Kill all started there. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, we'll see you guys next time, Elon Musk. Kill yourself. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>